How is everyone? Doing good? Hey, I knew Nike. Whoa. Is that me? Oh, no, that's you. If you could just play that over and over. Nice. Well, it's, um, it's a little bit weird being, being back. It's been about 18 months. Um, prior to that, I didn't miss a Wednesday night for 10 years, so I miss change, but I've got to tell you, I don't miss... Don't miss spending time with my wife, so that's great. Um, but it's just so cool to see, so cool to see so many people here that that weren't here when we were here. You know, that's that's amazing. That just blows me away. Um, we recently just did two weeks. We literally just got back on Sunday after doing two weeks in Brooklyn. And for those who don't know, we're in the process of plans of moving uh, our lives to New York City to help with see through Brooklyn and. And we are we're over there and we got to do two connect groups with them and there's a group of like 50 people who are coming who have never gone to C3 before and it just blows me away that people turn up. Like it just absolutely blows me away. It just shows me that, man, like God is, God is legit, you know, and, and there's, a, there's a kingdom out there that is bigger than all of our lives that's worth giving everything for. And I, I just like to reiterate what Jazzy was saying, don't be... Don't be afraid or hesitant to sow your life into this. I mean, the kingdom of God is a movement that humanity has poured its life into or a group of people has poured its life into since the beginning of time. Like, that is huge. And God is giving you the opportunity to serve and play your part in that. And that is such an amazing journey and, and, um, and joy that you can experience. So anyway, so thank you for having me. It's, uh, it's an honor to be back. And thank you to jo- uh, Jazzy and Tali. Give them a big hand. They're such great pastors. Um, so, God is three, they're four. Uh, I love this series. I mean, I've been following along um, bits and pieces and, and getting updates from people. And I love it because, I mean, I, I, I'm a theology geek and a doctrine geek. And, but I love it in the sense that um, I think this series puts theology and doctrine in its right context, because that's what you've been doing every week, right? You've been looking at different, pretty much a different doctrine, a different kind of aspect of God's nature each week. Um, and I love that it puts it in its right place in that um, good theology should lead you to a place of better doxology, which is a place of greater and deeper love and adoration and worship of God. And that's, that's the purpose of theology, right? And, um, and good theology is vitally important. If anyone tries to convince you otherwise... Um, send them to see me because I mean it's so important to your growth as a Christian because no one no one can rise above their concept of God right like your your concept of God is like the height that your life can get to so if we have a low or an inadequate or a a poor view of God of of who he is and what he's like then ultimately what that leads to is a distorted view of who we are and what we are to do in this life and essentially our life in every area will suffer because of it Okay, so good theology is, is super important. The other reason is because God doesn't want you to just be spiritual, right? There are, there are people out there who are just spiritual, right? Now, my auntie, none of you know her, she, she's spiritual. She holds like angel meetings and she's got healing crystals and, and her Facebook feed is insane. But the thing is, God doesn't want you to be spiritual. God wants you to be Christian, right? And I think that there's a, a weird kind of um, like conflict happening in the church at the moment, especially in young adults, where it's either you're a spirit person or you're a theology person, right? You either love Bill Johnson or you love Mark Driscoll, one of the two. And so you've got to choose a team, right? 
And if, or if you're, if you're a bit more out there, you love Louis Giglio or Don Carson, right? Or if you just want to sit in the middle, it's Francis Chan, right? He's like right, right on the fence. But I mean, the thing is, the love of theology and the discussion of theology and the debate of doctrine has been happening since the beginning of time, right? But the, the, the thing is, theology and, and living in the Spirit are not mutually exclusive. You don't have to choose one or the other. You don't have to be, um, you know, one or the other. And the thing is, is good theology helps you to discern what is and isn't of the Spirit, right? I mean, that is, everything that happens in our life, you know, is can be kind of uh, found in Scripture. And that's how we know if it's God that's speaking to us, or God that's working through our lives, or if it's some other force, right? But then on the flip side, it's the Spirit and only the Holy Spirit that would give you a desire to want to know more about God, right? Your sinful nature and our sinful heart means we don't seek God by ourselves, right? It's only the Holy Spirit that can enact that in us. And also, I mean, don't crucify each other, man. There are going to be some people who are more in tune with the Spirit, and there are going to be some people who are more geeky and they just love theology. And you need both of them in this community to make sure you're all loving one another and doing it, doing it right. And I mean, it's been like that since, like I said, since the beginning of the church. You had Paul, who was out there hammer and tong with theology. Then you had Peter, who they'd line people up in the streets and his shadow would go by and they'd heal people. You know, so it, it's, it's been like that since the beginning of the church. So don't hate it. I say just love it. And, um, and when someone starts telling you about theology, I understand, just nod and agree. Because that's just what they want anyway. They just want you to agree. So, I mean, I mean, just want to get this kind of point across. But from the very outset of Scripture, right, God wants you to think theologically and theocentrically. That is God at the center of all of your kind of thoughts and concepts about life, right? I mean, the very opening line of the Bible is in the beginning, God. Right, so right up front, he wants you to think in every area of your life, theologically. The movies we watch, the music we listen to, the people we spend time with, our work, our ethics, our relationships, absolutely everything. We've got to think, where's God in this? Right? Is this, is this what God wants for my life? Is this honoring God? So that's why theology is super important. Right? Because it helps us wrap our, our lives around this kind of concept of an incomprehensible God, right? It helps us take him down out of the ether and apply him to our lives and appropriate to our lives. So, so um, I want to commend you to, to, men, to sow your life into this, right? Get into change. That's why it's important that you're here every week so you can get fed and be encouraged and feel support and have a safe place where you can go deep and you can discuss deep topics and wrestle with God and wrestle with Scripture and wrestle with theology and wrestle with revelation and wrestle with the Spirit so that you grow as a Christian and that you can impact souls all across Sydney and the world. Amen? Amen. God bless you. So tonight's topic, God is three, or doctrine of the Trinity, is what we're discussing tonight. So let's pray, and then uh, we will get into it. Thank you, Jesus. God, we love you so much. God, we thank you that you are incomprehensible, God. God, we thank you that you are beyond our wildest imagination, God, and beyond our comprehension, and anything we could ever put together, God, and we thank you for that, God. We thank you that you're bigger than us, that you're greater than us, and you're greater than our thoughts, and greater than our minds, and greater than anything else we could ever possibly come up with, God. You are bigger than that. And God, we thank you that you have revealed yourself to us through Scripture. God, we pray that tonight as we, as we pour through some of that Scripture, that you might reveal yourself to us more, God. And God, we pray that through your 
to the, the, the work of your Holy Spirit, Lord, that you would open our hearts, open our minds, and God, that you would change something in us tonight. And God, we pray that you would seal uh, this revelation in our hearts so that we might know you more, God, and we might become more like you and, uh, and live out for your glory in this city. God, we pray that tonight as we look at your triune nature, that you will bless us, Lord. You will bless us with a fresh revelation, God, or a higher understanding of who you are. God, we thank you for Jesus who died on the cross for us to take away our sin. And we thank you that he rose again to give us new life. God, we thank you for the Holy Spirit that he ministers to us tonight, Lord. God, we thank you for that. And we pray that it will be a great night, Lord, to our benefit and to your glory. And everybody said... Amen. God bless you. So, the Trinity. No doctrine or aspect of God's nature or character has been more mysterious to the church than the doctrine of the Trinity. It has not been more greatly debated or wrestled with or fought over. In fact, the greatest split in the church ever in the history of the church was right down the middle over the doctrine of the Trinity, over the triune nature of God. The great theologian St. Augustine said, if you deny the Trinity, you'll lose your soul. Attempt to explain it and you'll lose your mind. So pray for me tonight. Um, And I ask for your grace. Uh, But that being said, no other doctrine and no other concept or aspect of God's nature or character is more central to the Christian faith than that of God is three. right? Than that of the doctrine of the Trinity. All other Orthodox Christian doctrines and beliefs stem from that. That is the center. Right, that is the, the home base. That's the Facebook home button. Right? Everything else comes from that. It's Google. That's what it is. Everything else comes from that. Okay? But if the Trinity is such a mystery and, and actually impossible for us to fully comprehend, the Bible tells us that, we can't comprehend it, then we have to ask the question, why even bother trying? Right? Why bother trying to wrap, wrap our heads around it? Okay? I would argue that with all aspects of God's nature, you could say that. Okay, and the answer is this, is that if God has felt it necessary and loving to reveal himself to us and reveal aspects of his nature to us, regardless of how mind-meltingly confusing they can be, it's our duty to explore those, right? That is what being a Christian is. God wants us to know him intimately, so he reveals things to us in a way so we have to seek and we have to search and we have to wrestle with him so we can get to know him. That is why, that is why it's so important to wrestle with this, so that we might come to a deeper and more intimate knowledge of our creator. And that is why he's revealed himself to us in the triune nature. Uh, the, trini- the word trinity doesn't exist in the Bible. It is a a kind of thought belief, or not, sorry, a thought system or a belief that the early church did come up with uh, simply because they were faced with three what seemed like contradictory truths, which we are all still faced with today, okay? And that is uh, that we serve one true God, right? We would all agree with that, right? That we have one God and there is no other God beside him. He is the one and only. And that comes from our, you know, the Hebrew heritage of the the Old Testament uh, Jews, so the New uh, Testament Christians uh, carried that, that tradition forward. They served one true God. Uh, the second truth they're faced with now is that Jesus is Lord. I mean, we've got the reality that Jesus walked the earth and he did things that were divine and he died and he rose again. And he, he told people to pray to him. He said, I and the Father are one. He claimed to be God. Right? So now we've got this weird kind of dichotomy. I mean, we've got one true God, but then we've got this guy over here with a beard saying, hey, I'm God as well. Right? So it's... 
And then lastly, we have the experience of, of the tangible presence of the Holy Spirit. Right? You can feel it here tonight. You can feel something different when you sing and lift your hands and you kind of abandon yourself to God. You can feel His presence. Right? That's, that's a kind of a truth that's just smacking you in the face right there. I mean, you've got one true God, you've got Jesus saying He's Lord, and now you've got the Holy Spirit who's also divine and doing divine things and causing miracles. And, and Jesus said it, that the Holy Spirit would be God, and God said He would send the, the Spirit of the Lord. So, I mean, how do we make sense of all these three kind of contradictory uh, truths? So the church kind of got together and they wrestled with it and they came up with the doctrine of the Trinity. Um, so today, to give you an idea of how um, different uh, people can conceive this, I texted a few people and I got some different definitions of the Trinity. So I'll read them out. I won't put names to them. Uh, first one. Uh, Doctrine of the Trinity is the human attempt to express and explain an eternal God who is love and in his infinite wisdom and love reveals himself as he is being Father, Son, and Holy Spirit in order to completely redeem, renew, and reunite humanity and all of his creation back to himself. Uh, Next one. There is only one true God, but within his very nature, there is an ongoing dynamic relationship between God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. The Spirit dwells within us and points us to Jesus who is seated at the right hand of God we pray to the Father through the Son by the Spirit. Uh, next one. The Christian teaching of the Trinity is mysterious and cognitively challenging. <laughs> this is one of those theology geeks. Uh, the doctrine of Trinity is that God is one God, eternally existent in three persons. That's not three gods who work in harmony. Neither is it that sometimes God takes one form and sometimes he takes another. Instead, we hold that there is one God in three persons who know and love one another. God is not more fundamentally one than he is three, and he is not more fundamentally three than he is one. Uh, and the last one I got, I had, about, I had about 15, so yours didn't make the cut, Jersey, I'm sorry. But that's not because, that's not because it was uh, heresy or anything like that. <laughs> uh, and the last one I got down is, Trinity is not a doctrine to be understood, but an experience of the one true God to undergo, then in worship, uh, live through them and for them. This mystery we undergo as we follow King Jesus in the power of the Spirit to the glory of the Father. That one was Jared McKenna, if you couldn't tell. But um, I thought that one was pretty great. Okay, my definition. Kind of shows you, though, how kind of vast and huge this topic is. Yes, I'm going to do my best to get through it in the next 20 minutes. Uh, My definition for the sake of tonight is the Trinity or triune Godhead is one God in essence and accord who eternally exists as three distinct persons, Father, Son, and Spirit, who are each fully and equally God, loving one another in eternal friendship and mission. And I want to make that kind of distinct persons, um, make that a real point there, because the three Godhead members are persons, right? They're not forces. They're not impersonal beings. They are persons. They They are personal gods who want to interact with you and have a relationship with you intimately and know you personally okay you would say that when jesus hung on the cross and was uh um he was who he who was not sin was made sin he was made your sin personally right that that kind of deep stuff that no one else in your life knows that's what nailed jesus to the cross that's how personal uh these gods are so who's confused so far uh, one God, three different gods, not three different gods or who work together, but three distinct gods, three distinct persons, all equally God or fully God. 
Oh, man, the last two weeks for me has been mind-melting. Uh, I, real, I figured out one way to, to wrap your head around it is to actually talk about what it isn't. I find that's how I do it. If I can't work something out, I go, okay, well, what isn't it? Okay, so the first of all, and this will be good for you, for those who like uh, heresy, Alex Farncombe, you can write these down. <laughs> Doctrine of Trinity is not what we call modelism. Okay, modelism, which is the belief that God manifests himself successively. That's not um, uh, at the same time, right? That he was father, then son, then spirit. Okay, I would say that he was eternally existed as three persons at all times. Simultaneous is the word I'm looking for there. Uh, successfully as Father, Son, and Spirit, and not simultaneously, that is. should have just read the next line. It would have been fine. But we reject this as it sees God as three manifestations of the one divine person as opposed to three divine persons of the one Godhead. We can reject it because in Scripture we find evidence of the triune God at work simultaneously. Uh, Matthew 3, 16 and 17 says, And when Jesus were baptized, he immediately went from the water, and behold, the heavens were opened to him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove, coming to rest on him, and behold, a voice from heaven said, which is the Father, this is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. So we've got all three members there at exactly the same moment, interacting together within humanity, right, which is insane. Um, next one is not, is it's not what's called Arianism, which is the belief that because there is only one God, that therefore Jesus and the Holy Spirit are not divine, but rather that Jesus is the highest created being, or some would believe that he was the Archangel Michael, um, who's now been given the title of Jesus, and that the Holy Spirit is simply a cosmic force that God uses to, you know, do things in the world today. Uh, but we reject this because in Scripture we see evidence of the full and equal divinity of Jesus Christ, Holy Spirit, and the Father. Uh, Colossians 2, 8-10 says, see, see to it that no one takes you captive by philosophy and empty deceit, according to human tradition, according to the elemental spirits of the world, and not according to Christ. For in him the whole fullness of deity dwells bodily, and you have been filled in him who is the head of all rule and authority. Uh, and then 2 Corinthians 3.17 says, Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Uh, and lastly, uh, the Trinity is not what we call tritheism, okay, which is the belief that the Godhead consists of three equal yet independent and autonomous beings. Right? So they're, just, they're completely individual from one another, not working together. Right, that we've got, in a way, three gods, three separate gods who um, are doing different things at different times. Um, you would look at, say, Hinduism would believe in that. They have many different gods who all work together. Um, but we would reject tritheism because we see from Scripture that all uh, three persons of the Godhead are not autonomous but rather working together. And although they are distinct, they are not acting individually. Does that make sense? All right, so they're the individual persons and their own identity and their own personality. They never act individually. They're always acting together for the good of one another and us. Uh, so gen- the easiest uh, scripture for that is Genesis 1.26 says, Then God said, Let us make man in our image after our likeness. All right, so obviously the plurality of those words there indicates that it was the three members of the Trinity at work. So who's following me? Still there? If you feel your brain melting out of your ears, that's okay. It's the Holy Spirit. He's working on your brain. To clarify even further, we can break down the Trinity into four key components. Okay, so there's is my thoughts. Uh, God is one. That's the first. That's the first bullet point of your notes right there of the Trinity. Right. I know it goes against the screens up here, but God is one. Okay. So within the doctrine of the Trinity, uh, right up front, as Christians, we declare and we affirm that there is only one God. As Christians, we've come to know the one true God who is of one and only one divine essence. 
The God whom we love and serve is the one God that is confessed by the biblical faith community whom the Old Testament people of God knew intimately as Yahweh. So when you read the Old Testament and you read about Yahweh and that intimate relationship we have with Israel, that is still the one true God that we serve today. Okay, it's not a different God. It's not that they only had God and we now have Jesus and the Holy Spirit. They had the one true God just as we do today. Uh, point two, God is three. And <laughs> writing all this out, I felt like such a retard half the time. I was like, I mean, this is just... But you know what I learned? This is a little side note. You know what I learned is that there are some aspects of God that are not uh, things that need, you need to be convinced by, right? God is truth, right? Scripture is truth, and truth needs not to be explained but only declared, right? So let me encourage you, don't, don't be afraid to preach the gospel and share the gospel with your friends and your family and your workplace because it's truth. And it's the truth that will set them free, not your explanations of it and not your theology. And I know that sounds weird to what I hammered home five minutes ago. But if you proclaim the truth, it doesn't come back void, just as Justin said before. God is three. In affirming the doctrine of the Trinity, we confess that the one God whom we have come to know is three, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Uh, each of the three are distinct persons and are fully God and share in constituting the one divine essence. I should say they are fully and equally God, uh, and share in constituting the one divine essence. In fact, it is more true to say uh, there is no God but the one triune God. God is none other than Father, Son, and Spirit. That would be the correct term when we're talking about God. Uh, point three, God is diverse, or God is a diversity. Uh, the one God is differentiated in three members of the Trinity and therefore a diversity within their unity of oneness. Can I say that one again? The one God is differentiated in the three members of the Trinity, Father, Son, and Spirit, and therefore a diversity within their, uni within their unity of oneness. The differentiations, Father, Son, and Spirit, are both ontological, which is distinct in their own persons, uh, in their own identity, and then functional, that is, their role in their triune community, their own little connect group they've got going on there. Four, God is unity. Is my last point. God is unity. Uh, in the three members of the one God, we affirm that although they are, they are distinct from each other ontologically and functionally, I'm going to confess, I didn't know what ontologically meant until about midday today. It's not true. Uh, the three Trinitarian members form a unity that entails their diversity. Okay, so the unity kind of allows them to exist in their diversity. Okay? This means that despite their varying functions in the one divine program or God's mission in this earth or in humanity and in all of eternity, all three members are eternally involved in every area of God's working in the world. Okay, so everything that is happening right now, all three members of the Trinity are present with us tonight. Okay? So God ordained this moment. I would say that God ordained this moment from the beginning of time, which blows me away that he, would knew, he knew you would be here. So if you're here for the first time, man, God is trying to get your attention. He knew you would be here before he even created the world. Right now, Jesus is interceding for us. He's pleading to the Father. He's praying for us. He's asking that he would, he would bless us and pour out his spirit on us more and more. And lastly, we have the, God, the Holy Spirit, who's actually with us present right now, working in our hearts and minds to help us understand this crazy truth about God. Uh, so all eternally involved in every area of God's work in the world. That is to say that in each divine work, the Father acts through the Son by the power of the Holy Spirit. Okay, so to simplify and recap, God is one. That is that God has one mind, one nature, one plan, one mil, will, one, one mil. He's only got one mil. 
one will, <laughs> one mission, one accord. He's only got one thing going on in the earth, right? He's got one, one plan, and that is to reconcile all creation back to him, right? That is, that's the one thing he's got going on. It's keeping him really busy. But God is also three. That is, God eternally exists as three distinct individual persons, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, who are all working to the benefit of each other to that one accord. Okay, so within the Trinity, we've got this amazing thing happening where all three members are kind of laying down their own agenda for the sake of the other two, right? You've got God the Father um, constantly blessing, blessing the Son, right? And he's, he's, um, he's helping him and he's sending him uh, provision through the church and, and so on. Then you've got... Um, You've got, uh, you've got Jesus who's, who says, I'm, it's, it's not about me, it's about the Father's will. Not my will, but yours, Lord. Right? He's laying down his life for not only us, but for the glory of the Father. And then you've got the Holy Spirit who's doing nothing but pointing us back to Jesus, who's pointing us back to the glory of the God. Right? That's, that's the amazing thing about, about the Trinity. Right? It's this, this amazing unity in their, uh, in their community that they've got going on. So God is both three and one at the same time, but not in the same sense. Right? Is that, is that something to make more sense? God is both three and one at the same time, but not in the same sense. He is three persons, but one essence. He is three persons, but one nature. He is one God manifested eternally and simultaneously in three distinct, yet incredibly united persons. So the question I ask is, how does that work? I mean, that doesn't make sense. I mean, all that sounds, it sounds... You know, if I just said to myself, it sounds impressive. But how does it work? I mean, it's kind of, it's, it is completely contradictory. And that's the, minister, that's the mystery of the Trinity, is how can he be three and one? Right? How can that exist? How can, they, how can those three people actually be so united that they have that one accord and one nature? Right? Because we sit in this room, I get three people together. There's no way, there's no way I can get the three of you to have one accord and one mission and one will and one nature for the rest of eternity. Right? So how does God do it? God is love. That, that is the best definition and the best scripture for the triune nature of God is God is love. The unity of God is nothing less than the self-dedication of the Trinitarian persons to each other in faithful, loving, sacrificial service. With their distinct personalities, the Father, Son, and Spirit choose to love one another. They actually choose to love one another. That is the nature that they chose themselves. They choose to love one another, which blows me away. And, it is, and it, is, it is in this divine essence that binds the Trinity together eternally as our one true loving God. The easiest way to say, as I said before, is God is love. The best definition of God as Trinity is God is love. And that's the gospel here tonight, change. That is the good news. God is the gospel. God is love is the gospel. That is the good news of all time, that we have a, an amazing triune God who is nature and essence and accord loving. That is the good news tonight. And within the glorious mystery of the Trinity, that even before God made the world, before he saved the world, before he took away your sin, before he blessed the world with his presence, before he spoke to you tonight, before he helped you pass that exam, before he helped you feel whole, before he helped you get healed, find that job, find that wife, find that girlfriend get an epic copy of tonight, before he did anything in all of humanity, before he did, touched you in any single way, before he had any uh, interaction or even created humanity, before he did anything to prove that he was love, he was love within himself. 
And that blows my mind. I think the mistake that a lot of us make is we read that God is love and we go, oh, he's love because he loved us. Right? But that's actually, that'd actually be a dangerous statement because that would be to say that God needed to love us to become love, which would to say that God isn't perfect. What I love more is that before he loved us, before he did anything, he was already eternally, sacrificially loving himself within the Trinity. So therefore, he can't help. He can't help but respond to us in everything we do now out of his own accord and nature and essence, which is love. Go ahead and give God a huge hand. So that is to say that God's love is so great that within his own Trinitarian community, he can't help but share it with the world. That is why I created you and I. That's why he created the world, so that we might experience the fullness of this love, that we might get to experience that love that they share with one another, that we might get to experience that here tonight. That's the gospel. That's the good news. That we might get to be welcomed into an intimate relationship with him and the three members for all eternity and be a part of that community. So God is three, therefore, God is love. And tonight, the good news is that if you're a Christian, you have an ever-loving Father who is faithfully pursuing you through His Son, Jesus Christ, and by the very real and tangible power of His Holy Spirit. And is He eternally providing you with the perfect example of how to love those around you, so that just like in His own community, His love might overflow from your life and your community so that others might experience His great and perfect love. And if you aren't a Christian here tonight, or if you... Uh, if you believe, but you're not living a life that glorifies God or is honoring to God, then I want to ask you these questions. What are you longing for? What are you searching for? What do you desire out of life? Like, what are you missing in your life that you, you have a hole in your heart? Okay, because we all long, all long for something. We long for the world around us to be selfless, trustworthy, faithful, helpful. We long for unity and peace in our worlds. Uh, we long for a lack of conflict. We long for a lack of anxiety. We long for relationships. We long for communication, man. We want to be heard. We want to be known. We long for community, man. Look at the internet. That is what everyone is doing there, looking for a place to belong and express themselves and be heard and have their voices heard and recognized and for someone to talk back to them and say, hey, man, I'm with you. We long for community, for a place to belong in the world, for something bigger than ourselves, something bigger than our lives and what we've got going on, something, something bigger to live for. We long for joy and we long for happiness, for true joy. Or we want joy that goes beyond that instant satisfaction. We want true joy that in our deepest, darkest, saddest times that we still have this thing inside of us that says we're going to a better place. Okay, we long for happiness. We long to truly be happy, to have the, the, the absence of fear and anxiety, to feel truly that we can enjoy our lives and enjoy our friends and enjoy the world around us now i want you to, to ask yourself and ask everyone to bow their heads and close their eyes now i want you to ask yourself honestly why is it that at the end of the day despite your attempts to satisfy your longings why are you so often left frustrated or disappointed why do you have these longings and these desires and these dreams? And why hasn't anything ever satisfied them fully? What I want to declare to you tonight is that by design, these longings and desires that you experience in your life are by di divine design longings for God. 
our longings for the love that he shares within his tri- the Trinitarian community, within his triune nature, that selfless, sacrificial love, that, that laying their life down for one another, for giving their lives to each other for their purpose, that is what you are longing for. And even though we try to plug the hole with, with different things and, and different aspects of our life, with our jobs and with university and with relationships and with drugs and with alcohol and with, and with everything else that, that you know in your heart, you, you're trying to plug that hole, nothing will ever, ever plug that hole and fulfill those longings like the love of God. You were made in the image of God. That is the truth. Whether you believe it or not tonight, you were made in the image of God. You have his thumbprint all over your life and you were created. Your purpose in this life and the meaning of life, the meaning of life is that you were created to reflect his glory and until you accept that and put your faith in him, you will never truly stop longing. You will never truly stop seeking. You will never truly stop searching. You will never truly be satisfied. They're saying that the more that God is glorified in your life, the more satisfied you will be. The good news tonight here is that if you're not a Christian, that if you don't believe, if you've never confessed Christ, if you've never entered into a relationship with Him or you're not living in a way that's honoring Him, the good news is that because of His unconditional love within the triune community, within His self, within His own Godhead, between Father, Son, and Spirit, that His very nature and essence, because of His very nature and essence, you have the opportunity to accept the outstretched hand of grace here tonight. Despite anything you've ever done, despite what you believe, despite what you're going through tonight, God is standing here with an outstretched arm and welcoming you into that community. You need only accept it. You need only accept it. Despite what mistakes you've made, what sins you've committed against God, against yourself and against the people around you, in a moment tonight, you can be welcomed into the community of God. You can be welcomed into the greatest journey that you could ever imagine. That is to know the lover and the creator of your soul. So I'll ask you again tonight, what are you longing for? Now with every head bowed and every eye closed, I want you to search your heart. And if you know that tonight you need to respond to this love that we see in God's three members, in Father, Son, and Spirit, if you know that you need that, or you know, even if you don't know that you need it, but you know that you want it or you want more of it, then I just want you to lift your hand in your seat right now. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. I would urge you tonight that don't leave this place without making amends with God, regardless of where you're at. Regardless if you've been a Christian for 20 years, your whole life your parents have been a Christian or you've never been here before there is no time like the present there is no time like the present thank you Jesus thank you Lord thank you Lord great let me pray for you thank you Jesus God we love you so much God we thank you for this love that you've poured out to us tonight and that you've poured out to us through all eternity God we pray that you would bless us. God, we pray that you would use our lives to honor you and glorify you. And Lord, we pray that as as you've poured out your love to us through the Trinity, God, tonight, as we've explored that truth tonight, Lord, that you might help us pour that love out into all of Sydney. 
God, that your love might be so evident in this community here called Change, Lord, that it can't help but overflow to the people around us. And it can't help but impact people and touch people's lives and change their hearts. God, we pray that you would continue to use this community mightily for your glory and for the benefit of Sydney and, and, and communities around the world. God, we pray for Pastor Justin and Tali and all the team. God, we pray that you would continue to bless them and raise them up. God, help them be uh, better leaders, Lord. Help them to be stronger leaders, Lord, more courageous, more bold. God, help them to take risks, Lord. I pray that the team would rally around them, God, and would lift them up continuously in prayer, just as the Trinity does to one another. God, I pray that this would be a mighty move of God in this city right here, Lord, in this community called Change. God, I thank you for the honor to share your gospel tonight and your good news. God, I pray that it's impacted hearts here tonight. God, and I pray that you would continue to work on those hearts, Lord, and that they would know you more and love you more. God, you are so amazing. We love you. Everybody said, amen. God bless you, change. Let's really give it up for Joel. That was incredible teaching.